Hi, I'm Lisa Morton and welcome to We Built This City. I wanted to share with you a special episode to celebrate Manchester Pride. Over the past few weeks, we've seen the city gearing up for the weekend with its annual parade, parties, youth and family pride events, human rights rally and the candlelit vigil. Manchester Pride is a key part of what makes the city so attractive to people that come to live here because they can see that Manchester is a vibrant place to live and be accepted. Whoever you are, you belong here. You're going to hear about why Pride is so important in Manchester and what it means to people in 2022. So what brings young LGBTQ plus people to flock to this city? Emma Goswell is a broadcaster, author and host of the podcast Coming Out Stories. And for her, there's one TV show that really had a huge impact for Manchester and that's Queer as Folk. What's interesting talking to people in Manchester is Manchester's got a huge thing to answer for in a sense, actually. And Russell T Davies and Queer as Folk led so many queer people, you know, from the 90s onwards to flock to Manchester. And still to this day, you know, people come to our city because it is tolerant, because they are fleeing a home life somewhere else. And they think that, you know, Manchester's got a gay village. They might be from a small village that has no gay bars or they think that there's no other gay people. Clearly there are. But people flock to Manchester because there is this big gay village, there is a community, there is the Lesbian and Gay Foundation, there is the Albert Kennedy Trust. There are so many different support groups here that gay people and trans people do flock here. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for that, actually. And I think Manchester needs to to acknowledge that and realise, you know, we are are a very diverse city and and the better for it, really. I love what Emma just said there about the tolerance that's recognised in this city. And Queer as Folk also sold the city to our current and still relatively new leader of Manchester City Council, Bev Craig. So I'd never been to Manchester before. I'd seen it on the TV. So probably two things for me. One was football in Northern Ireland, massive football fans. And then the second, I was of the age of watching Queer as Folk. So hiding in my bedroom, watching something in quiet. And I thought, well, actually, it's got a good university and it looks like a fun place to be. And then I moved here. And I think it was it was quite transformational for me, really. Coming from Northern Ireland, politics is, is something that a lot of people spend a lot of time avoiding, to be honest. So when I was younger, growing up in Belfast, I got involved in probably women's rights, LGBT rights, those, those kind of campaigns. So when I came to university, it was primarily about fun. So I had a great time. But then I also got involved in LGBT organisations in the city. And that led me to going... I remember it really struck me. I went to an international conference. So it was LGBT youth organisations from across Europe in the Middle East. And it really struck me that I went away to this conference with people, young people like me from around the world, and the position of privilege that you come from. So I would get to come home. I'd come home to a city like Manchester with my choice of gay bars, restaurants, anything that was on hand. And there was a chap from Lebanon at the time who was there. And he'd just been outed on the front page of, of the national newspaper, so we had to help him seek asylum. And I think, you know, for someone who hadn't really thought much about the rest of the world and was very content in their own sort of happy bubble, that probably shifted the kinds of things that I got involved in. So I ended up running that organisation for a couple of years whilst I was at university, so I spent quite a lot of time in Brussels and Amsterdam also whilst trying to get my degree mm. and sample every bar that was on offer <laughs> in Manchester. So it wasn't just pious and, and worthy the whole time. 
<laughs> so it sounds like an interesting time. And then, which were your favourite bars then back in the day? I mean, I, I must I must confess to having absolutely zero alcohol taste whatsoever. So I think I spent most of my years at university um, in and around the village. Mm. It was probably a yes, fun. I was in Russia after university, and I ended up living in Russia with my friends for a couple of years and we just spent our whole time there. It was the best place. Well, you had amazing. choice as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's, there's awful bottles of wine that you could get for five pints <laughs> and then get for yeah. out, So They were the days. My pound bottle of wine in Manchester. Bev's experience is such a great example of the talent that comes to Manchester and develops in the city students. Her experience of helping that young man is also a sobering reminder about the fact that LGBTQ plus people still face real threats to their lives all over the world, which makes you realise that pride is still vitally important. And what about Manchester Pride itself? Mark Fletcher is the CEO of Manchester Pride, and for him, there will always be a reason for this charity and its work. So what is Manchester Pride's purpose? Well, our, our mission, um, our, our vision even, is a world where LGBTQ plus people can, can live to love who they want and feel free from discrimination. Um, we stand to campaign for greater LGBTQ plus equality. We are committed to improving the lives of LGBTQ plus people in Greater Manchester around the UK and internationally as well. You know, we do that in many different ways. We, we're pioneering, we're leading on conversations, we're dynamic in our approach to making sure that marginalised communities are represented, that voices are heard, and that we're celebrating LGBTQ plus equality as well. You know, it's, it's really important, especially at these times, that we don't take steps backwards. Mm. Only recently... I've seen a couple of issues reported uh, in the media that have terrified me to think that people could be putting into place uh, any policies that would encourage disclusion, shall we say, from LGBTQ plus celebrations. It's very important, the work that we do. And one of the questions I often get asked is, do we still need a Pride event? Or what's the need of a Pride event? It's incredibly important to celebrate how far we've come, but it's vital that we don't get complacent there's a long way to go before LGBTQ plus people, you know, achieve true equality. I can't imagine that will happen in my lifetime. If it does, brilliant. But then Pride events will still have their purpose to, to celebrate that life and to make sure that people understand the fight that was fought for the freedoms that should be basic human rights. And how important has Manchester been in particular for that, that fight? Manchester is a wonderfully pioneering city. One of the reasons I'm so proud is because we, we champion diversity here and we take people as people. Uh, the Manchester Pride Parade each year, it humbles me and I, I almost become overwhelmed when we see the literally tens of thousands of people lining the roots of the parade, most of which are allies mm. and families that are coming out to celebrate, to wave a flag. It just shows what passion and commitment the people have Greater Manchester have got to to life and to living and, and to being to recognizing differences and, and celebrating them. A lot of you know Manchester was the birthplace for a, a lot when it comes to the modern pride movement and the campaign for LGBT plus equality steeped in heritage. Mm -hmm. And it's vitally important that we remain at the forefront of that. You know, we we are genuinely pioneering in in our approach. As Mark says, it's important that we don't get complacent. There's still work to be done on inclusivity and equality, even in 2022. And that's been backed up by the stories that have been told to broadcaster and author Emma Goswell. Her podcast and book, Coming Out Stories, has shown the importance of making sure that these stories are still told. 
funnily enough, coming out stories wasn't my idea, and I can't take the credit because it is my legacy, and I think it is probably the thing I'm the most proud of mm. in my 51 years, to be honest. It was the idea of Sam Walker, a brilliant broadcaster, used to be on Radio Manchester with us on Five Live, and after a particularly difficult breakup, I ended up living with her and her family. It was supposed to be for a month, I think it was about a year, but anyway. <laughs> and during that time, she said, wouldn't it be great to collect coming out stories and you know reflect your community? And I actually turned around and went, well, I don't know, Sam, no one's interested in my coming out story, anyone else's, are they? You know, it's 2018, does it matter if you come out as gay? And boy, was I wrong. It is still pretty difficult to come out as gay and particularly difficult to come out as trans or non-binary in 2022. So I'm so glad we started the project. And since 2018, we've collected probably around 100 now different coming out stories from people across the community, predominantly Manchester, but also across the world. Um, the pandemic made that possible. So suddenly I was not interviewing people in Longsight or Withenshore. I was interviewing people in Florida and Mumbai. So uh, that changed it a bit. But Sam always said, look, the first one has to be you and has to be your story. So I have told that. You can go back and listen to it. And, yeah, but what's interesting over the years is seeing how everybody's story is individual. And I have spoken to a lot of people my age. There's a lot of people my age who will reflect on the 80s and talk about the AIDS crisis and gay men in particular who have a lot of internalised homophobia because they lived through that awful era where gay men in particular were being portrayed as paedophiles and purveyors of disease and not being supported through an awful pandemic that was killing all of their friends and colleagues. You know, people that went through that and have really suffered awful experiences back in the day to then people coming out a lot more recently and still going through dramas and traumas. And I spoke to a young Asian man from Levenshume who was thrown out of the family home for being gay and literally was walking the streets looking for someone to take them in. You know, people have been through horrific experiences. So what's been interesting over the years, just talking to all these different people, and I've talked to people who came out in the 1950s and 60s up to people that came out last week, is the common thing that binds us all together, really, and that's even if you're from a very sort of tolerant family with really loving parents who clearly have gay friends, whatever, there is still something in society that makes us go, this is going to be a difficult conversation, this could go the wrong way, this could be awful, I could lose everything. And it is still a difficult conversation for people to have with their loved ones and it's still a difficult, challenging thing for people to go through. And the other thing that is the common thread that I've learned through doing coming out stories is the simple message that it does get better. And, you know, I've spoken to people whose parents have reacted terribly when they've come out to them. But then fast forward a few months or a few years and everything is absolutely fine and my story reflects that as well my parents were okay but they didn't exactly throw a party you know they're very much like oh right okay but let's not tell the neighbors whereas now they're happy talking about it to everybody everybody you know sometimes it takes years for that to sort of filter through and for people to give you full understanding that every story that I've had people have had a journey of acceptance either from their family or sometimes what they've gone on to do is gone on to find their own family. And I think LGBT people are very good at doing that. They're very good at finding their own queer mm. family. And sometimes, you know, I've spoken to people who have been completely ostracised by their entire family. Can you believe it? Mm. it? It just beggars belief. But sometimes that does happen. It's very few and far between. But people always go on to find their tribe and find their friends and find their lovers and find the people that they spend the rest of their lives together. And they're happy. They're getting on with it. You know, it's 
it might take therapy, it might mean they've gone through lots of mental health problems, but it does get better. And that's one of the key messages that I've sort of discovered through all, all, all the many, many interviews that I've done. Emma talks about the resilience that people show when it comes to expressing their authentic selves. They can find their own queer family. And it's that sense of family and a strong community that keeps the spirit of pride alive today. So what does pride mean to people in 2022? Pride to me means celebrating who we are, who we love and standing in solidarity with every single person in our community. Pride to me means that we as the community can come and be together and celebrate who we are and what makes us special and just what makes our community so vibrant and so bright and to just be there, to be out and be proud and celebrate everything that makes us who we are. I'm Amy from Feel Good Club. And I'm Kira from Feel Good Club. So when Amy and I first met, 13 years ago it was actually illegal for us to get married um, so now being able to be married together and open about that fact and seen as a married couple being able to invite the community into our space to be themselves and celebrate themselves is what pride means to us it means the world obviously the community in manchester is amazing and having an actual physical space in manchester that represents queer people and the community and having that space for people to come down and feel safe means everything. Pride means to me a coming back together of the community after we've been apart. It's an opportunity for us to be ourselves in a way that you don't always get to. Um, and it's a celebration of who we are, who we love and each other. Every year at Manchester Pride, a vigil is held in Sackville Gardens to remember those people who have been lost to HIV and AIDS. Nathaniel Hall is an actor and HIV positive activist. He's done incredible work by speaking out so openly about his status and he does lots of great community work too. But it took a long time for him to get to where he is now. And in fact, he might not be the activist he is today had it not been for that vigil. There was a real moment, a real shift in my journey, in my perspective, and I remember it very clearly. In 2012, I was asked by the charity George House Trust, um, I'd written a letter to my 16-year-old self, so despite the fact that I wasn't actually out to my family and stuff, I was still I was going out with their Positively Speaking programme and speaking to school groups mainly and reading this letter to my 16-year-old self. And they said, oh, that letter would be amazing at the Candlelight Vigil at Manchester Pride. So for people that don't know, that's 5,000 people in Sackville Gardens on the last day of Pride come together in the evening. And there is a moment where we remember people lost to HIV and AIDS or people that we've lost from our community in the last year. And it's a really beautiful event and they said, oh, could you read your letter? And I was just like, absolutely not, because I'm not, <laughs> I'm not open about this thing. I can't stand up in front of 5,000 people. But it was read, it ended up being read by an actor. And I remember sitting or standing at the front watching this happen and hearing the reaction of the crowd to my letter and just having this real moment of going, I'm one of the lucky ones. Like HIV and AIDS has killed 35 million people worldwide. I'm so lucky to be alive. And it just, again, it was one of those moments that when I got to make every day count, you know, I do sometimes joke, I'm on borrowed time, like without medication, I can tell you now I wouldn't be alive. I wouldn't be sat in front of you today. You know, I've lived with it for 18 years and that would be very, very few people live long term. 
with untreated HIV. So, so yeah, it was that really that made me go make it count. And I guess I'd never really thought about survivor's guilt in terms of HIV, but I think it is a thing that lots of other people with HIV that I talk to, particularly those that maybe have diagnosed even earlier than me mm. and who lived through the early part of the AIDS epidemic and lost lovers and friends certainly might feel that stronger than I do as well. You really can't argue with the need for an event like the vigil when you hear about Nathaniel's experience. Hearing his own words back to himself changed his life. And that moment will have changed others' lives too because of the work that Nathaniel has been inspired to go on to do in the community since then. Manchester Pride has come back with a renewed sense of purpose in 2022. Some people in the community felt it had lost its way somewhat last year after Pride announced that due to the toll taken by the pandemic, it was scaling back on funding a number of services, including the charity Nathaniel spoke about there, Manchester HIV charity George House Trust, an LGBT foundation safe sex scheme. And the relationship between Pride and the charities it supports has sat at the heart of the event and provided to so many within the community. So a review was carried out last year to ask the LGBTQ plus community what they'd like to see from Manchester Pride and where they felt the focus of the event should be. For Mark Fletcher, the review has provided Manchester Pride with a renewed vigour around their purpose and their values. So when we were evaluating the feedback and all of the responses, it took some time to pull out the key themes. We analysed them, we took them to our stakeholders, and then we had open forums again with our communities to share the outcomes and then to co-design responses to that, pulling out the key priorities and figuring out how we move forward together to respond to what it is that our communities are saying they wanted from us. And we drew it into four different areas, communities, giving, transparency and activism. And within each of those four pillars, we identified a series of actions that we could follow up and help to deliver what's now become the strategy for Manchester Pride, the charity, and is resulting in the activities that you'll see unfolding throughout the year. We're striving to work more closely with our communities by co-designing our events and co-curating our activities and initiatives, making sure that the communities feel empowered, connected to, and leading what it is that we're delivering. That's really important for us. We've been aspiring to do that for years. And what the one of the, the key positive things to come out of the Pride Not Futures consultation was this level of connectivity. We've got a long way to go to, to fully build the trust of our communities so that they can see that what we're doing is exactly as asked. And the consultation enabled us to really stop and look at what we've been doing right and what we've not been getting right. And for us, it's that level of transparency. We felt that we were really transparent as an organisation. In fact, we've worked hard on being transparent over the years. And in that level of confidence in our transparency, we kind of not recognised that we're not as transparent as we could be. And through that, I mean, we're not telling everybody about the decisions that are being made as as a charity. We're not telling everybody about the work that we're doing um, or we're not telling everybody about the impacts that we're having around the city region. And there was a real thirst for that. So we've had to, to stop and really think about how we become more transparent. And that's in our communications. Um, that's through our marketing. And that's through our engagement in every aspect. And so there's a huge piece of work to let people know the other initiatives that, that we conduct throughout the year, how we're engaging in our communities, and how, as part of the Modern Pride movement, we are pushing forward the campaign for LGBT plus equality all year, not just over the bank holiday weekend. 
we're going to be testing things out. We're not going to get everything right, but we'll now have the pace at which to start, evaluate, adjust, and then move forward. Something that stands out to me from what Mark just said is how closely it relates to our value of admit it, fix it, move on. Sometimes when we're forced to look at what we can do better and reevaluate, you end up with something better than before. And it's so good to hear the strength and values Mark and his team have come away with. Charity is something that runs deeply through the Pride weekend, and the values that Mark identified there show just how intertwined Pride is with helping his Manchester community. One of the event charity partners is the LGBT Foundation. Paul Martin, OBE, is the chief executive of the foundation. For Paul, the renewed sense of purpose for Pride this year is impactful. And when I caught up with him, he told me about what the weekend means for the foundation and the role they'll play this year. I think Manchester Pride have really listened to the community. I think that they are bringing the festival back to the community. I think that they have responded really well to some of the comments and criticisms that were levelled at them last year. And I think that I'm hoping that the community will remember that actually Manchester Pride is delivered by a very, very small team of people who are doing the very, very best to ensure that people have a really great and fun and enjoyable time. So I think that Manchester Pride has done a great job in in terms of responding to what the community have said um, and I think that hopefully in the years to come we will continue to build on that and we can make sure that Manchester continues to have a pride that it can be very very proud of. Manchester Pride is really, really important for LGBT Foundation. It gives us a direct opportunity to connect with many, many, many members of our communities that we might not get chance to in other parts of the year. It's an opportunity for us to distribute a whole bunch of, you know, health promotion and safety messages to people to make sure um, that they're safe over what is an incredibly busy uh, weekend for the city and for our community. But it also gives us an opportunity opportunity to ensure that nobody is isolated and nobody is lonely. We're running a community cafe, we've got a number of stalls across the site, we've got the welcome angels on every door. We're giving out condoms and lube um, and distributing those in every single bar across the village to make sure that people can party safely. And we see ourselves as an essential part of the lifeblood of uh, the festival. It's great to hear how Manchester Pride has evolved after doing so much work to consult its community. So what can you expect at Pride Weekend when you come? Let's hear from some Pride goers. It's an amazing day, so much energy, there's so much going on. It's such a fantastic celebration of our culture. There's, it's so colourful, so much music, um, and it's such an exciting place to be. When I go to Pride, the one thing that I like seeing are families coming together and just holding hands and not being afraid to say, we are a family. We might not be what some people think are conventionally families, but we love each other and nothing will change that. Last time I was in Pride, I skated in the Pride Parade and that was absolutely awesome. My favourite bit was the kids against the barricades. We were handing out stickers and they were collecting them all. And I thought that was fantastic, skating along and just like handing out stickers down the barricades. This will be the first year that I'm a part of the parade, so that will be super fun. Manchester's definitely a place where... I feel that I can be myself. I'm not so much going home to Northern Ireland. So Manchester, I've got my chosen family here. I've got all my friends. And yeah, that's just really nice to be able to be myself. And the parade will be something like completely different that I've never done. It'll be like out of my comfort zone, but I'm really looking forward to it this year. 
I hope that gives you a flavour for what you can expect at Manchester Pride Weekend and shows you just how much this event means to people in this city. And now let's hear from Art Fletcher about what he's excited about for Pride in the future. We've started our consultation already um, for next year and, and beyond. And right now, I can honestly say to you, I'm not too sure what that's going to look like. What um, I would hope to pledge is that the parade, the Human Rights Forum, the Gay Village Party um, and the Candlelit Vigil remain at the heart of what it is that we're delivering. Whilst it takes you know, 18 months to plan and deliver what we do, there are some decisions that we have to put off now until after this year's festival to see what our communities liked and to see if they felt anything was missing or they want anything new from it or whether we retain the format of, of the, the key strands that we deliver this year. It keeps it exciting for us. Um, we, we don't know what the future is going to hold. Um, we'll keep on listening and we'll keep on responding. And what we will do is make sure that this city has a pride celebration to be proud of and one that continues to make an impact and positive change for our communities. We Built This City will be back on the 15th of September with presenter and football pundit Kyle Walker. In the meantime, if you want to find out more about how Roland Dransfield can help you drive your values and create relationships that build your business success, then head over to rdpr.co.uk. Or you can find us on Instagram at Roland Dransfield or Twitter at RDPR Tweets. Or feel free to give us a call at the office on the same number we've had for 26 years on 0161 236 1122. Thank you.